Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Hinal Turner about what candidates are looking for in their future employer. Turner, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Southern California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about hiring practices and really focus in on what candidates are looking for in their future employer. So oftentimes we talk about this from the other angle. We talk about what employers are looking for and what they need. But in a tight labor market, I think it's also very essential that employers understand what the candidates want, what the candidates are looking for. And if they're not getting it, if, if you don't have a good holistic employee experience in your workplace, uh, starting from the recruitment process, that the hiring process and everything, um, then people will opt out. They'll go somewhere else and they have choice. Uh, so we're going to be exploring what candidates are looking for in their future employer and unpack that a bit. As we get started, I wanted to share Henel's bio with everybody. Henel Turner is a certified HR professional with a passion for helping businesses succeed. She has provided HR consulting services to more than 200 businesses varying in size and industry. And her experience in sales, customer service, and people management has uniquely positioned her to partner with entrepreneurs and business leaders to recruit and retain a team of their own five-star employees. And I think that's what we all want. We all want A players. We all want five-star employees um, but it's it's a challenge right now to attract, and then it's even more of a challenge to retain them and keep them around and engaged and really highly productive within our teams and within our workforce. Anything else that you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background, your personal context before we dive on into the conversation? You know, I think that's, uh, I think you said it well, um, and I think we can just jump right in. Okay. So let's start on the employer side. Um, what would you be telling employers right now? Uh, what is like the top few pieces of advice that you would give them um, as they're going through the hiring process if they're if they're looking to hire great people? You know, one uh, two things really come to mind. Um, mind one is, you know, you really as a as an employer, you really need to be you know very specific um, and intentional with your recruitment process. So. You know, be very specific in the details of your job posting and 
and be clear about what it is you're looking for in your candidates and what expectations you have for them. Um, and the goal really should be to to attract people who are who are interested in meeting the requirements that you have. And the more specific and detailed you can be with with what you need, the better. So, for example, um, you know, we recommend using a um, using a um, a job posting that includes the key res- like three to five key responsibilities plus what the success metrics are for those responsibilities. So being very um, specific and intentional with that job posting so that the people who apply for the role uh, get a good understanding of, of what it is um, that the, the needs are. And then people who you know read that job posting and and look at that detail and are turned off by it, you know, that's they're eliminated. They kind of self-eliminate out. Um, so that's like one big thing is, you know, be very specific. Um, and, you know, tr- and the second thing is really just to paint, um, paint a good picture of what it is to work in your organization. So that means, you know, you know like thinking through and sharing what your core values are and what your expectations are with, with your hires um, and with your candidates about, you know, working together and, and, and being supportive to each other and, you know, how everybody kind of interplays and, and just making sure that we're a right fit, like not only for the skill set, but only, but for the mindset as well. Yeah. I love both of those and it's implicit in what you're saying, but perhaps if we step back even a little bit, as you're trying to think about how to articulate those key components that requires us to have a really clear understanding of what we need from, you know, this new employee that might join our team. And the reality is what I see over and over and over again in organizations is they have kind of recycled job postings. And so they might update them a little bit, but it's essentially kind of the same thing they've used for the last decade with little tweaks and updates along the way. And, you know, my question to them is, is this actually serving you and your organization this this version or can you start over from scratch sometimes and and recreate something that actually is up to date that aligns well with the actual lived experience of of employees in that position working with those teams and what they're expected to do there's so often a mismatch between what the posting is and and says even when it's detailed and what the organization or the hiring manager actually needs and wants and it's because they just don't even take the time to update things and to make sure it's well aligned. So if we want that alignment, we want to make sure we're actually actively seeking out the right people with the right fit, with the right skill sets, competencies, and capabilities. That means we need to do our work up front, you know, in, ter- in terms of job analysis and just understanding what's actually needed um, before we get to the point of actually recruiting for that position. Otherwise, it's almost inevitable that we're going to end up with a mismatch unless we just get super lucky. <laughs> right. And, you know, another, like, you know, um, another thing, trend that I find, you know, with, um, with mishires is, um, it's, it does start from that job description and that initial hiring process or recruitment process, you know, where you see the person who's interviewing candidates, you know, prepare, prepping, oh, prepping for the interview a few minutes before the person walks in, right? Or, 
you know, Googling interview questions or Googling being things to ask in an interview or Googling, well, well, what should my job description look like? And, and it's a very interesting phenomenon because although it's, although it may seem like an easy thing to do, it's, it's not really going to find what you're looking for, right? You're not truly looking for sort of the generic average, um, most common answer, which is what Google will provide you, um, you're looking for more, um, more something more specific to your organization that truly is that perfect match. Yeah. It, it, just like we tell um, job seekers that you need to tailor your cover letter and resume to every job, right? Same thing. Like if you're an employer and you want to actually hire for good fit, um, you better not just be randomly Googling and trying to find generic uh, uh, postings or generic interview questions, you better be a little bit more sophisticated than that and be able to tailor specifically to your organization, your context, your needs. That does take more time and more work. And so that's why it often doesn't happen, you know, because people are busy and they're, they're doing a thousand things. And oh, by the way, yes, I, now I have an interview I need to do. Okay. You know, I got five minutes. Let me do something real fast. I understand why that happens. The, the decisions that we make in terms of bringing people onto our team, those are big far-reaching decisions that cost the company a lot of money and will either help aid in, you know, the overall team uh, dynamic and productivity and innovation of your team and bringing value to the market, or it could severely hinder your ability to do that. And so you, you want to get it as right as possible. Uh, it's never going to be perfect all the time, but if you are thoughtful and strategic and planning in advance, uh, that can take a lot of the guesswork out of it and it can make sure that you have that alignment that you were talking about a few minutes ago, which I agree is so, so important. Um, something else that I would just say in relation to this, as we're thinking about that job analysis step and creating the job description and making sure there's that alignment and clear articulation of what the, the key metrics are and their key responsibilities. I think it's, it's really important, uh, to be thoughtful about required versus, you know, desired qualifications we artificially eliminate a huge number of potential people in the candidate pool, depending on how we, we articulate that. And there's a lot of research on this. Uh, so let's take, for example, if we, if we just look at gender bias and we look at gender differences, men will tend to, if they, if they see a posting that's interesting to them, and again, this is a generalization, but generally speaking, if men see a position that's interesting to them and they check the box on say 40 to 50% of their required characteristics or, or competencies, they'll say, yeah, I'll go ahead and throw my name in the hat and see what happens. Women on average, they, they, it, it, they need to be able to check the box on 90 plus percent before they even feel like they can apply. And so if, if something is actually really required, by all means, put that down. But if it's not actually required, don't list it. Maybe put it in suggested or, you know, recommended qualifications or whatever, but don't require it because we know that that's going to eliminate a lot of potential female applicants. Uh, and then if we talk about like women of color or other, um, diverse populations, they, they will end up self-selecting out before you even get to the, have the chance to interview them. So if we're trying to cast a broad net, you know, and, and have this big funnel to bring in good people, um, let's make sure that we're, we're doing what actually makes sense around those requirements. Another one that is kind of my own little pet peeve is it really bugs me when organizations have some arbitrary, like number of years of experience 
on a particular competency because I'm like, what does that actually mean? I could have five years of crappy experience doing X, Y, Z. That doesn't mean I'm any more capable or qualified than anyone else. It just means I have five years of crappy experience. Whereas you could have someone who has a year of awesome experience, someone who's a self-starter, who's a, who's a learner, uh, someone who's, who's willing to, you know, has passion and energy and is willing to put in the work to do it well. I would, you know, every day of the week, I would rather have that second person than the first person yet because of the way we set up our systems a lot of times we uh we give preference to those other people who actually aren't going to help us succeed uh, so we need to just be thoughtful about all of that yeah and and it's and another thing like you know when i'm explaining your sort of um when we talk about you know basic you know qualifying questions and kind of entry point into sort of the real, like at the pool of consideration, you know, you really have to think about like, what's the minimum level of level of education or experience necessary. And, and you know, a big, I think, um, point of confusion is people or a lot, I mean, you know, probably a lot of business owners or managers look at the people on their team and they say, okay, well, this person has, you know, 15 years of experience but they've been working for you for 10 years. So I need somebody who has 15 years of experience. So for instance, and, and that's just not the case, right? You have to think about what the job is and, and really understand if you need um, any experience at all, or if anything is trainable, right? Especially when it comes to like systems, like you don't need experience using this, this, or this, you could probably train somebody in that. So you have to like distinguish between what it is you want. And uh, oftentimes, um, you know, people just take something that they found on Google or to your point, something that they used 10 years ago and just, you know, change the date and be like, oh, here we go. And, And they wonder why there's no candidates out there. And it's like, well, I mean, there's candidates, but every job posting is exactly the same. So (laughs) Yeah. Or the other thing happens. So you either have this generic posting that doesn't actually fit the current needs. um, And then you have people that go to the other extreme where that's so detailed, where they have so many requirements that you're like, what person actually fits this? Like it's, this is like the unicorn kind of position um, that if you think you're actually going to get a decent pool of candidates with all of this long checklist, wish list of things that you think the ideal candidate would have, well, guess what? Like, good luck. We're not in fairyland. You're not going to get that yeah. person. <laughs> um, and so we, like, we have to have a reasonable level of like specificity and clarity and alignment around what we need, but also not overly restricting and limiting ourselves in the pool of potential candidates we can get. And all of this gets communicated initially through that job posting. Um, yeah, once and- we get past that, you know, then you start, hopefully you have a good screening process, a good interviewing process, all of those things, you know, and, and then eventually a good onboarding process and such. Um, let's switch the script a little bit now and look at it from the other point of view, from the candidate point of view, because again, today it's a, it's a tight labor market. So, so in potential employees and potential workers, they have more power, they have more voice, they have more options. Uh, they can go a lot of places, especially if they're talented and skilled. They they have a lot of options. Uh, and, and companies are really fighting over these people who are really great. Um, so what do you see, you know, these top candidates, what are they looking for in this future employer? Because just like in an interview process as an employer, I'm interviewing somebody that might work for me. Hopefully there's a good fit. But on the other side, 
And I tell my students this all the time, you know, you are interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. And you are looking for fit also because you don't want to pigeonhole yourself or, or have your career um, derailed because you end up working for a crummy boss for a crummy organization. So it does go both ways. What types of things do you see candidates really looking for in their future employer? You know, so there's two, two main things that come to mind. Um, so I, one is they're looking for that sense of community, right? So you, we're all human and we all like, we all want to belong and, and have a community. So we have our home community, right? That we have, we may have a family, a spouse, maybe we have kids and we have a little community that we form there and we have like a, a kind of good trend going with food and adventures and such. And when then we have our, you know, college friends that we, we occasionally talk to, but there's this connection there that is kind of a lifelong connection and now, you know, we're looking for our work community and we're looking to have a best friend at work and a another community that we're part of. Um, so that's one area where, you know, people are, I, I think, are looking for the right people to spend their time with. And I feel like, um, especially now, um, post-COVID, um, people, you know, had a little bit more experience spending maybe more time with their family and, and maybe they saw that their, their community at work wasn't as awesome and maybe not worth being away from their, their other community. So let's see if we can find something that's a better fit, right? Let, let's see if there is something out there that, that works a little bit better for me. Um, and it, and then the second thing I think, um, they're looking for is they do want to, it's this, this sudden, um, you know, epiphany that, wow, time is limited. Time is, is something I do need to value. Should I really be doing something that I told, that I absolutely love? And, and the truth is, yeah, probably. Um, So they're looking for a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a better fit. So like I had, I've had several conversations over the last few weeks where, um, you know, this, uh, a friend that I know said, you know, my boss told me that if, um, that I'm going to be, we're going to be, we may be calling everybody back into the office. Like it may become a mandatory thing over the next like month, month or so. And he said, okay, well just full transparency. Like if that happens, like I'll be putting in my my retirement papers because I mean, he's like, I can't, it's just not worth it. Like driving for two hours in Bay area traffic, you know, um, to, for what, right? Like really for what? So a lot of, um, uh, reflection I think has happened over the last few years, um, that have, that has impacted the, the output of, I think humans in general, and it's, it's trickling into the workplace. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Yeah. So as you're describing that, what I'm hearing is that that uh, candidates are looking for, of course, ongoing flexibility in how they how, when, where they do their work. So whether that's hybrid, remote, uh, in person, whatever, everyone's desires and needs are different, <clears throat> excuse me, in relation to that. And so uh, they want that kind of flexibility. Uh, they also want work that they derive meaning and purpose from. Uh, so they don't want to do mindless work and and where people may have a few years ago even been like, okay, I'm willing to pay my dues. I'm willing to do this crummy work at this mindless work. Um, it's soul sucking, but I'll, I'll put in my time. The organization will see my commitment to them, uh, my loyalty, I'll be rewarded, et cetera. And that's not playing out. Uh, they, they just kind of keep on getting piled on. And especially as there's been a tight labor market and, and people leaving and you're not able to replace everybody, people's burdens get deeper and, you know, heavier and heavier, deeper, deeper. Um, and so the burnout gets higher and people are just saying, no, this just isn't worth it. I'm, I'm not going to endlessly put out more effort, time and energy for an employer that actually has no commitment or loyalty to me. Um, and so they're, they're reevaluating and they're, they're taking stock of what's most important. And so they want stuff that's meaningful, that's purposeful, uh, that's going to help them develop in their career. Uh, and they expect that from their employer. And if they're not getting it, they're probably going to leave, or at least they're going to recalibrate their effort. That gets into like the whole conversation around quiet quitting and such. I think it's it's also just super important to to recognize, you know, as we think about what candidates are wanting right now, <clears throat> that uh, of course we we make generalizations across like age cohorts, mm-hmm. and there's some insights that come from that. Uh, but we also need to just recognize that everyone's different. Everyone's an individual. And so we need to have ongoing conversations with our people as leaders. Um, we need to talk with our existing people, have stay interviews, try to understand why they're there, what they need, what they want so that they hopefully don't leave. So we can support them. That'll also give us better insight as to, you know, what we need to be communicating to potential people who might join our team so that we can enhance the employee experience so that we can become an employer of choice so that people, top-notch people will want to come to us. And word spreads. I mean, there are platforms out there, glass store reviews, et cetera. Like there are ways that people share that information. People know the great places to work. They know the crummy places to work. And uh, you you better be thinking about that and, and putting in the time and the effort to make your place a place where people want to be, where they want to stay, where they're going to actually you know, suggest to a friend, Hey, come work with me at this place. Cause it's awesome. Uh, and you'll actually start to build that reputation and it'll be easier for you to, to get great people. Um, candidates want to work at a place like that. They want to work at a place where they get excited to get up in the morning, to go to work, to do something really cool, where they feel supported, where they have the resources they need to do cool things. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, nobody expects to love everything they do 24 seven. They know that you go to work and there are going to be sometimes you have to do stuff you don't like. No one's suggesting that. And this is a straw man. I hear people say like, oh, this entitled younger generation, they just want to, you know, <clears throat> have their cake and eat it too. Nobody's suggesting that everyone knows that there's stuff you're going to have to do in any job that you don't love. But if, if it's so out of whack where you're doing like 90% of stuff you hate, and only like 10% of stuff that is filling and energizing, you're not going to keep that person. End of story. I, I, um, if, you, if you can find ways to redesign the work and balance that out a little bit. So yeah, people are doing stuff that maybe it's not their favorite. Maybe it's not what they love to do, but it needs to get done. Okay. Design work in such a way that those things can happen, but that every day someone has a chance to do energizing activities 
um, soul filling rather than soul sucking activities uh, <laughs> so that they get reinvigorated in the work that they're doing. I mean, and you, you really need to f- make, I think another, um, I think another thing to consider too is, is, is the person the right fit for the role? Because somebody who is, you know, a math major, you know, actual science major, you know, people who like patterns and numbers, like they can sit and spend all day on a spreadsheet and work through that. And that is invigorating and that is exciting. Not for me, <laughs> but for some people it is. So you, if you have the, the wrong person and if you have the right person, but they're in the wrong seat, um, you know, you're going to, it, it's, you're going to struggle and it, it's going to be a mismatch. And, you know, to, to your point too, you, you can't um, overwhelm the person and, and give somebody who, who loves numbers and spreadsheets and such and put them on a sales call and be like, oh, you're also going to be responsible for sales, you know? So you keep your, your distinction there and, and think about like the type of person and the, that you need in the role in terms of where their strengths are. And, and that should be the work that they're, they're, they're doing. And in some cases, if, you know, your roles evolve, then, you know, you do, you should be doing some type of evaluation to see if there's another area where the person, um, the person might be a better fit. And if, if it, if it's not a good fit, then that's okay too, because I don't think, you know, putting somebody, um, completely out of their, you know, preference zone is the solution because it it's going to inevitably leave to, a, you know, an unsatisfied person, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so ultimately, let's, again, think about the needs of the individual, have that open communication. Um, and, and this isn't, I guess, part of what I'm hearing you say, and what I also am trying to reinforce, is this isn't a stagnant thing. It's like, okay, we have a job, we have a posting, It's going to be adjusted slightly over time. We're going to hire a person. They're just going to do these things. And that's just going to stay the same. Um, That's not the world we live in. Like things evolve. Things evolve rather rapidly. And so if we're not doing regular analysis and and redesign of work and realignment, then we're going to end up with mismatches, even if the person hired for the position was a perfect match five years ago. That doesn't mean they're a perfect match today um, or in a year from now. So we need to constantly be thinking about that and the shifting and evolving roles and duties and tasks that people need to perform. And yeah, let's, let's give those people that are data wonks, let's give them more opportunity to do the data stuff. Those people who are people, people who are salespeople, let's give them the opportunity to do those things while also perhaps reinvesting in our people, uh, so that they're getting the reskilling and upskilling attention needed so that they can grow into a shift, you know, perhaps a, an evolving role or a shifting role or new opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not a salesperson. I can, I can, I'm passable. Like I can, I can have those conversations with people. I can um, do things reasonably well, but I'm never going to be a, a, you know, a great salesperson. I know that about myself. I need to be passable. I need to be competent, but I'm never going to be great at it. So let me focus on the areas of my strengths um, to make those even stronger. Let me reinforce the areas of my weakness so that I can at least not be a detractor from other people. Um, and then look for alignment. And if you're, if you're investing in your people, if you're helping them to develop themselves, that's also going to help 
you bring more meaning and purpose into the work that they're doing, even if they're doing stuff that maybe they don't love right now, because they see that there's going to be future opportunities because of these new skills that they're developing. This is the world of work that we're in. This is the world of work that we, this is the reality that we have to uh, respond to if we're going to attract and retain really great people. Well, this has just been a great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So um, if you would like to contact me, um, please uh, send me an email. I'm not, we can, you can add my email to your show notes. Um, you can also text um, higher right to 411321. Um, and that will give you some great resources on um, all about, you know, attracting and, and recruiting sort of the best of the best. Um, so just go ahead and check that out. And that was um, higher right to 411-321. And my last uh, big piece of advice here um, for, you know, for those recruiting today is, you know, when you ask a question uh, for your, to your candidate, give them time to respond. So try your best not to feed them the answer. Try your best to be comfortable with that, you know, awkward silence Um, And let your candidates respond so you can uh, hear what they have to say. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out and get connected, find out more about what Hino can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.